Is out of uh, two of the letters of Paul, and our focus is on Titus. We're going to be looking over the next number of weeks at uh, the letter of Titus. And Titus, as it says there in verse 5, was left by Paul in Crete that he might put things in order and continue the work that had been started there under the direction of Paul. Our text is verse 4, where it says specifically uh, to Titus, my true son in our common faith. So he describes Titus that way, our true son in our common faith. People of God, let's say you are here in town and you go to uh, the Timber Mart. We often make our way there just to look around and see if we can find what we need. If you go there and let's say you are looking uh, around and you're wondering about things and, and Ina's not there and John's not there and Rob's not there and then somebody comes up, just a helpful person, and says to you, what are you looking for? And so you describe, you need this pipe to do this thing and, and they think about it and they say, oh, this might work for you. And then you ask them, who are you? And they say, well, we shop here once in a while. And then you start to think, well, what do you know anyway? So, well, I'll give you some advice here. And you're thinking, wait a minute. This isn't really what I had in mind. We need someone who knows something about stuff. <laughs> we need the expert. We need John or Rob or somebody. And so the letter of Titus is, is in that kind of uncertainty about Titus that the church in Crete felt. Because Titus was there, but there was an uncertainty about, yeah, who is he exactly? And, and what does he know? And can we trust him in leading and giving the right direction of faith? They're not quite sure about him. So looking at the letter of Titus, we have to realize that Paul who has gone through this himself, several of the letters of Paul include where he has to say, you can trust me. And the reason they didn't trust him, of course, was because he started out as a persecutor of the church. And so when the persecutor of the church becomes a preacher in the church, that takes some in people's minds, can we really trust this person? And so... Paul has gone through all of that, but he has proved that he is trustworthy. And that has been affirmed in the church council in Rome, Acts 15. And he is now the main uh, presenter of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so that's why we read from Galatians 2, where he makes that plain, where he, he reminds them at that point that he is in fact called by God to be the one who sets the gospel before the Gentiles. There in verse 2, I set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. And then he gets affirmation from them. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So he wants to confirm too that he is fully teaching the common faith, the true faith, that he is a true son of the gospel, a true follower of Christ. And so he is working through that, continuing to work through that, being affirmed as one called and equipped 
by God to do that work. And now, even in this letter to the churches of Crete regarding Titus, he begins, servant of God, an apostle. That's a very official title. That's very much okay. He has been affirmed. He has been called. He has been empowered by Jesus on the Damascus road to be this spokesperson. And so he is presenting now Titus as one who is able to lead. Now, Paul himself continues to express the the central truths of the faith and, and he also presents them here in the beginning of the letter of Titus. He, he, he summarizes, it's kind of a faith statement that he makes at the beginning of this letter. So, so he talks about our common faith. What is our common faith? And so he tries to summarize it here already. He speaks about uh, Jesus Christ. He speaks about God's electing love, that God God draws people to faith in Jesus Christ, that they grow in knowledge of the truth that leads them to godliness, and that, that, that hope, that electing love that saves us, opens us to eternal life. That's, that's a quick summary of the gospel. And then he adds that God, God who we can trust, who does not lie, who, who has been working from the beginning of time, we continue to live out, preaching what he has entrusted to Paul, to the church. So, so he, he tries to take the common teaching, he, he tries to express it very succinctly, very quickly there, that, that he is one affirmed, and, and he is bringing a true gospel, the true hope that we have. And Titus will be taking that on, following in that way. So the, the reality of, of leadership being passed on is present here in terms of the letter of Titus. And how do we know who is, is the one who is a true son and who is speaking the common faith. Paul serving in ministry uh, has proven that over time. He has also proven it through his life, through persecution. In 2 Corinthians, he goes through in chapter 4, uh, I, I have been, been hungry, I have been uh, humiliated, I have been hurt, I have been, been persecuted, I have been stoned, all for the gospel. So he, he has presented himself, he has handled himself in a way that we see God working through him, and we recognize even the 13 letters of the New Testament that are written by Paul, we receive those as true, common faith being expressed. But now, here is Titus. Titus. We're not so sure about Titus. Is he really a true child of God? 
And, and will he really be expressing the common faith? So that's, that's the question behind this letter. Paul deliberately declares that Titus is a true son and that he will be expressing the common faith. But what, what are the problems? Titus is, is a Greek. He was, he's not a Jew. He's a Greek. And in fact, Titus raised in, in a non-Jewish, non-faith background at all. So Titus is the first leader in the church who comes forward with basically no common credentials. So what do you do with that, right? How do you, it's not like we can look at, say, okay, he was, he was from a Christian family, raised in a Christian home, attended Christian school, was part of a Christian church. Titus is completely, so then what do you do? Is he really a true child of God? Is he really able to express the common faith? This, this question about Titus leads to a, a larger question that, that we still wrestle with. Uh, and even in the New Testament church at that time, as it was growing, uh, and even with the church today, as the gospel goes out and new leaders step forward, who is truly a child of God and who is expressing our common faith? Because there are, are many religious voices out there and they, they speak into, yeah, all of the modern media and they say they are to be trusted and they are of God. And how do we, how do we know those who claim they are true sons or daughters, those who claim they are expressing the common faith, the things that we hold dear. The question arises even locally. And so we, we have a, a, a way of distinguishing how, how, do you, how do you do that. Just in the Lacombe example, we have a, a Christian ministerial, the Lacombe and District Christian Ministerial Association. If you want to be part of that, then you have to agree to the Apostles' Creed. That's a statement of our common faith. As such, the, there are specifically two groups in Lacombe who don't, don't join us because they can't say that. One is the Mormon Fellowship the Mormon church, though they come to your door and they say to you and me, oh, we have the same Bible. We believe everything the same as you. And then you say to them, well, well, let's go through the Apostles' Creed for a minute. They say, no, no, we don't agree. We don't agree. And, and you also get it when Jehovah Witness come to the door and then you, you invite them in and you talk to them and then you say too, before we begin, let's pray together. And they'll say no. No, we can't do that. 
Because you and I, we pray in the name of Jesus, and they don't believe Jesus is the true Son of God. And so they, they make excuses and make their way. It's, it's not a common faith. There are the true common faith described is summarized in the Apostles' Creed, the triune God, all that he has done in his redeeming work in Jesus Christ. And so you are solid with those who agree. And you can recognize those who don't agree with the common faith. And so this this became, out of Titus, uh, the way it's expressed here, how do you know? Well, Well, you have those common standards, those common statements of faith things we hold to together. And so in our, in our fellowship too, we can say, of course, among the Christian Reformed churches here in the area, we agree, all kinds of things. Among the Reformed churches in general, we agree, all kinds of things, no problem. We are true sons and daughters in the, in the faith, a common faith. You, you think about different groups again, like uh, the Alliance Church here. And yeah, very similar. If you wanted to go there, you would need to be rebaptized. They would insist on that because they wouldn't see our baptism as, as so okay. Difference of opinion there. But the Apostles' Creed, no problem. And so you, you see a, a basic similarity to Baptist church. Yeah, adult infant baptism to Pentecostal church. A little more emphasis on the Holy Spirit. But the center, the, the confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed, our hope is in the Creator, God, in Jesus, the Savior, and in God's Spirit working through the church. We are able to work together then then things can move further further away for example in the united church just the other just this past week there was an interview with a pastor who is an atheist in the united church so so you have a leader who is an atheist and uh, what is that right that becomes very confusing and we would say, well, that's, of course, not the kind of leadership that we would say is, is helpful at all. That's not part of the common faith. That's not a true following. And so, so the distinctions, when you have the standard at the center, become quite clear. Here in Titus, Titus is from a questionable background. Titus, it says in Galatians 2, verse 3, was born a Greek. Both his father and mother were Greek. And within that, that whole Greek upbringing, the, the place of, of the true God, the God of, of God's people, was not brought forward. He learned that later on. He was also not circumcised. And this is mentioned specifically in Galatians 2, uh, verse 3. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. 
even though he was a Greek. And, and there's a, a picture there, too. All God's people had to be circumcised. That was a sign of being truly part of God's people. Circumcision as a sign cut into the flesh of a person that they are a true son of God. Only the circumcised were heir to the promises of God. And he wasn't. And so, so this, was, this was hugely problematic. So as they reflected on that with the leaders in Jerusalem, they understood that God was at work in Jesus talking and presenting the, the, the reality of the circumcision of the heart which is what is talked about in Acts chapter 2 when it speaks about those who had crucified Jesus and then Peter stands up and says, you, you crucified the Lord of glory. And it says they were cut to the heart, that they realized that they had rejected the Savior and they were sorry and they asked to be forgiven. And Titus did that. Titus truly in his heart confessed his sin and received Jesus as his savior. And he was cut to the heart, circumcision of the heart. And now he was truly a follower of Jesus as his savior. And in the gospel of John, it talks about all who receive him, John 1 verse 12, all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent. So Titus's natural descent was not good. Nor of a human decision or a husband's will. But born of God. So Titus is truly one who came to the faith out of, out of complete lack of faith. But truly converted. Brought into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and he was taught by Paul through, uh, he's mentioned 13 times in the different letters of the New Testament. He, he has traveled with Paul. He's taught with Paul. Paul has taught him. He has spent years listening to and being mentored by Paul. He's been tested in ministry on many occasions so that, that Paul is confident in having him take a leadership role here in Crete, on the island of Crete. To work with the churches there. In that, we can see God's hand at work providing a leadership as the church grows. You have to see, too, God continues to draw people into places of leadership, and it moves beyond just the Jewish roots here. It, it's like Jesus who said that the gospel moves from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so Titus is the first leader who's not from Judea kind of thing. He is, he is from a Greek background. But he is one who has been saved by grace. And he goes forward as one called to serve to draw others into that saving, saving relationship. And so, Titus is confirmed. In Galatians 2, verse 5, it says too, 
uh, we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. The truth of the gospel is that, that none of us is good enough. Even, even if we're born in a Christian home and raised in the church and go to Christian school, we all, we all need to have our hearts transformed. To take that saving grace of God, electing love, and to respond in faith, each of us. And so Titus does that by God's grace. And as he goes on to minister in Crete, he expresses how that grace has saved him. It wasn't his birth. It wasn't anything else along the way. It was only Jesus, who, as it says in the Creed, was born, lived, suffered, died for our sins, and rose again for our salvation. That's the common of faith. It's not, it's not the upbringing. It's not the particular life story. Those things are a huge blessing in many ways, but they are not the gospel message in itself, in its centrality. So Titus will lead the church in Crete. He will be speaking to Gentiles, those who don't know anything about all of the, the, the history of, of the people of God, but he will introduce them. He will speak of Jesus Christ and draw them into the common faith. The center, which is Jesus, who is our hope in his electing love. But we continue to recognize that still today. To see God at work through the truth of the gospel, remaining true to the Bible, having those central statements of faith, that's a reminder here in Titus that we have the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, we have the confessions, the catechism, the Belgic confession, the canons of Dort. We have, we have standard statements of truth that we can centrally focus the faith clearly on Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in the end, Titus was accepted and ministered powerfully. And we continue to go forward in that truth as well, to be that ministering presence. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to the gospel that you work in and through uh, humble people, people of old, people like Paul who persecuted the church, how you drew him to be that voice of hope. Others too alongside him, like Titus and all those who through the years continue to express that true biblical hope that we have. Lord, we thank you for the assurance of knowing that you have promised and what you have said is true and that as we are faithful, receiving that good news and declaring it to others, Lord, that you would bless that work of our church and of all the churches too that declare and hold to that one true hope of you, Lord Jesus, as the way and the truth and the life. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing some songs of response, and Arnie is going to lead us. Excellent. Two selections that are the great. 
I didn't pick my favorite. I thought I would pick other people's favorites. Uh, one is for one of my brother's favorites, and it's 267. All four verses. 